0: Helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian certified counselor and award-winning psychotherapist. Welcome to the Life Transformation Show. I'm your co-host Denise Hart, and today we have another interesting topic to discuss: the power of symbols, based on Exodus seventeen eight to thirteen. If you're new to this show, we are on the air every Monday morning at nine thirty. You can find out more about us at Ministry dot com. And joining me today is Michael Hart. Welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you, Denise. I'm so excited to do this show. This is a kind of a different show because we're going to be talking about symbols. And when people hear about symbols, they might be thinking some weird thoughts and it might sound as if it's going to be a kind of a new age show, but it's not. It's going to be very biblically based and we're going to be using scriptures to talk about the Power of symbols. Symbols are found throughout the Scripture, throughout the Old and the New Testament, and we're going to be delving into the idea of symbols and how we can use them in our own lives to bring about dramatic effect in the things that we desire.
0: Thank you for that, Michael. So, my first question to you today is, why is it that you have chosen to use this passage in particular to discuss the power of symbolism?
1: Well, the iconic image of Moses standing on a hill with his hand raised high while a battle is being fought, and he's holding the rod that had brought past victories. It's a very powerful symbol. Throughout history, this scene has captured the imagination of scholars, theologians, and artists alike, prompting a range of theorists to explain why that image of Moses on a hill had such a dramatic effect and brought about such a resounding victory for the Israelites. So among the theories that have been put forward, one intriguing perspective uh, explores the psychological significance of this posture, this, this image of Moses on a hill with his hands raised to heaven and holding the rod that he had used to part the Red Sea. And uh People have argued over the century was this something in itself that brought about the victory, or is it God working behind the scene to bring about the first victory of the Israelites, or did Moses' raising of his hand actually play a role in that victory? Now, the Passage in Exodus chapter 17 tells us very clearly that when Moses became tired the the battle started to take a turn for the worse but then he had to be propped up by Aaron and by her. And as he was propped up by these other leaders, the victory came to the Israelites. So is it God who is bringing about this victory, or is it the symbol of Moses holding up his hand to heaven? Did that play a part? My thought on this is that it's both. I think that God uses the human mind to bring about his objective, his, his objectives. And I think that the Israelites, when they saw this powerful, symbolic image of Moses on a hill with his hands Raised to heaven and holding the staff in his hand, it motivated them psychologically to fight and to, and motivated them to have the success that they had over the Amalekites. And it's interesting that if you read the narrative, it wasn't God that told Moses to did to to do this. But Moses came to the conclusion himself that doing this would have an effect on the people he was leading. And as a result of that symbolic image, it brought about a very resounding victory for the Israelites.
0: Wow. I never uh, look at it that way, Michael. You know, I thought Moses was just there holding up his hand and just praying you know i i wasn't really picturing that image but that was a great explanation and hope all the listeners learn something from that so before we go deeper into this topic maybe you could set the biblical foundation a little clearer for the listeners by pointing to other biblical examples of the use of symbols in scriptures Is there other biblical examples?
1: Yes, I can think of a few. There's one in Numbers 21, verse 4 to 9, where in that passage we have the bronze serpent that was raised on a pole. And when the Israelites looked at the serpent, they would be healed. And so the, the bronze symbol in itself doesn't, have in a miracle working. But I think that there is something symbolic in the in the image. Maybe we don't have some of the customs of the time as to why a bronze serpent was considered a powerful a symbol. But the Israelites must have had some kind of hope when they saw that image. And as a result of seeing that image, we are told that they were healed. Another example is, is the scapegoat ritual on the Day of Atonement, and so the symbolic sending away of the scapegoat into the wilderness after the sins of the people had been pronounced on the head of the scapegoat was a very powerful symbol that led the let the people of Israel feel and appropriate the, self, the, the, the forgiveness of God to their lives. So my question to you as listeners is, does God really need a goat to forgive the sins of the people? Does God need to send a goat out into the wilderness for the sins of the people to be forgiven? I think the answer to that question is no. God could have forgiven them without the goat the, the sins being pronounced on the head of the goat notice the goat wasn't sacrificed it was led off into the wilderness so this is not about the 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 the, the, the a sacrifice to to forgive sin it was more about a symbolic representation of what happened what happens in the spiritual realm when we pray to God for forgiveness? What that image is showing or is telling the Israelites is that, see, just as that goat has been led away into the wilderness, when you ask for forgiveness, your sins have been moved away from you. So God did not need that goat goat. The Israelites needed it to understand the the forgiveness of God and to appropriate the forgiveness of God to their lives. So, I think that's in Leviticus 16, verse 7 to 10. And I think that's a very powerful symbolic representation of forgiveness.
0: As I was listening to you, Michael, so far you have pointed out um symbols used in the Old Testament. So, are there examples of New Testament symbols?
1: Yes, that's a good question. I think we have some interesting ones in the New Testament, and one of the first ones that come to mind is the bread and wine of the Holy Communion. Now, when Jesus instituted this this ritual of the bread representing his body and the wine representing his shed blood on the cross, it is for us us as human beings. The human mind doesn't do good with concepts that are not concrete. So what Jesus is doing through this ritual is taking something that is spiritual in nature and giving it a concrete form. So is, is the bread and the wine, he's no longer around his body and, and blood is no longer around, but a representation of that, the bread and the wine were symbolic means that Would remind Christians throughout the century, centuries to come, that he died on a cross and that his Body and blood were our symbols that he has been victorious over death. He has is defeated death, and he's now seated at the right hand of God, according to the Christian theology. And another one is baptism. Now that's an interesting one because the the, the, the symbolic representation of baptism is important. Like most scholars believe that based on a reading of the scriptures that baptism in itself doesn't save, but it's what it's represent. Baptism represent the, the dying to sin when someone is immersed in the water and coming up out of the water represents being born again to a new life. And so those those symbolic representation of what's taking place in this in the spiritual realm, it's not for God. God doesn't need the baptism to save us, but it's for us us to inculcate in our brain at a very deep level what God is doing in our life when he forgives us of our sins. Those representation is needed by the human mind so that, so that we are able to appropriate faith and to deepen our, un- deepen our understanding of what God has done for us in the spiritual realm.
0: So definitely those two are very important ones from the New Testament. You know what I'm curious about? Uh, Whether or not any of these Old Testament practices have survived in Jewish culture today.
1: That's a very good question. And I'd love to talk a little bit about that because I think there are some interesting observances that are are followed through or carried on today by the Jewish people. And one is from Exodus 13, verse 9, where God in speaking to the Israelites says, this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips for the lord brought you out of egypt with his mighty hand so as a result of this verse some orthodox rabbis take this very literally and they wear small boxes On their forehead that is known as the shell rush, and it is positioned between the eyes, and it symbolizes the need to dedicate one's thoughts and intellect to the service of God. And it can be argued whether or not God meant it in a literal way. But I think what these rabbis are doing is that by having that reminder that they're wearing as they go about their daily prayer, it is helping them to connect their thoughts and to focus their minds on on God. So these rituals, they are symbolic and they have deeper meaning. Just as the scapegoat ritual symbolized that the, the sins of the people were being taken away into the wilderness, these boxes that the rabbis are wearing on their forehead, they have given it a meaning that their thoughts are dedicated, they are focused on God, that God is, they are giving God full control of their minds. And I think that's a very Powerful symbol that has very deep significance, and and, and no doubt helped these rabbis to feel closer to God.
0: Well, I'm happy that you explain it that way, Michael, so that you know our listeners know that uh, they are wearing these symbols but they're still having a deep relationship with God at the same time. So this is just like a reminder for them uh, to get closer to God. So our faithful listeners to this radio show will know that we like to look at psychological research to support our points as well. So as we believe that true psychological principles will not contradict the truth of God's word, So you have titled this show, The Power of Symbols, and you have cited biblical examples that show the use and power of symbols in scriptures. But what does psychological research say about the power of symbols?
1: I'd love to go into that because, as I said, I like to look at these research. And as a psychotherapist, I think it's important for me to make that connection to my role as a psychotherapist as well so one research study that supports the role of psychological symbolism in unconscious motivation was conducted in 2003 and in their experiment in their experiment participants were exposed to the priming of the concept of achievement. So, what this means is that they were given certain flashing symbols that were in harmony with achievement and motivation. And this was done subconsciously. In other words, they weren't made to focus on this. These symbols would just be flashed at random. And what they found is that the achievement of these participants were superior to others in the Group who were not shown these images. So, just these symbols of success, even though they were done at a subconscious or unconscious level, it brought about what is known as unconscious motivation. So, I think there is a sense in which God knows the human brain better than any of us. And what He was instructing the Israelites to do in the Old Testament by these scapegoat rituals and other rituals, even in the book of Exodus, where he talked about painting the doorpost with the blood of the lamb so that the the angel of death would pass over I don't think the angels needed that as a means of finding which house they are supposed to visit and who they they needed to spare but I think that it may have given the Israelites a sense of comfort and peace psychologically to know that that sign is there and as a result not as a result of that sign that sign reminds us that we are protected. So, what the research shows in this experiment is that people, just by having these success symbols around, are motivated. And God is the greatest motivator. And God knows that these symbols that He's given us, whether it be the baptism symbol, or whether it be the bread and the communion, or whether it be other passages in the Old Testament, such as the scapegoat ritual, these reminders are very powerful motivators to get us in touch with spiritual truth and to motivate us to serve
0: God. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using Exodus 17, 8 to 13 to speak on the topic, the power of symbols. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914 where you can also make a donation To this Christ-centered ministry, your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael.
1: And so, another example, another ritual, or not another research, I should say, examined the effectiveness of using symbolic visualization technique in goal attainment. And what they found is that participants who engaged in vivid visualization exercises with strong symbolic imagery related to their goals showed higher levels of motivation, higher levels of goal commitment and persistence compared to those who engaged in neutral or less symbolic visualization. So, researchers are now beginning to tap into the power of of symbols and visualization, but God knew this A long time ago, God, God who is in, who created the human mind was tapping into this from in Old Testament times. And even in the time of Christ, we see Christ carrying on that symbolism in using rituals to powerful effect.
0: Our God is truly a God that is all-knowing. Right, Michael? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: He's way ahead of science, and we're just trying to catch up. Science are just catching up with, with what God knew a long time ago.
0: Uh, for sure. So as you talked about the power of symbol, my mind went to Emperor Constantine, who attributed his military success to seeing the symbol of a cross in the sky.
1: Yes, that's such a a, a good example and in that he uh, that In example of Constantine, I think that was the 1st century uh, after Christ AD, where he, 4th century, where before the Battle of the Milvian Bridge, Constantine, the Roman Emperor, had a vision of a cross in the sky. And he said he saw this vision of a cross in the sky. And and the, the words in the, in the, this, and, and the words that said, in this sign you shall conquer. And the vision is, is believed to have played a pivotal role in Constantine's conversion to Christianity and his subsequent efforts to promote and legalize the Christian faith. If you remember before that, the Christians were persecuted even by Constantine himself. So God used a symbol of a cross to motivate Constantine and his army. As a result of that, they, they were successful in in the battle. And that was a pivotal time in Christian history because as a result of that conversion of Constantine, the gospel was given free reign in the Roman emperor and a lot of what we are we have today and we take for granted started with this symbolic representation of a cross in the sky that Emperor Constantine saw before the Battle of Milvern Bridge.
0: So I wonder how Constantine's soldiers felt when he told them this vision, because at the time they were not believers as yet. So, however, let's move on in the interest of time, how are symbols used in current day psychotherapy practice?
1: Yes, I'd love to go into that because symbol is very prevalent in psychotherapy today. And one example of how symbol and imagery is used is what is known as guided therapy. So, in guided therapy, therapists may guide clients through visualization or through the use of imagery exercises where they imagine specific symbols that represent their emotions, conflicts, or desired outcomes. And by engaging with these symbols, clients can gain insights, they can explore their inner world and work towards resolution and change. This might all sound very weird to you if you haven't experienced this, but it's a very powerful way of getting uh, people in touch with their deeper emotion. Another uh, powerful use of, of symbols in psychotherapy is sand play therapy. So in sand play therapy, clients create a scene using a miniature, using miniature objects and symbols in a tray of sand. The selection of symbols in the sand provide a nonverbal and expressive way for clients to explore their unconscious and to process emotions and to gain clarity about their experiences. So, the therapists support the client in understanding and reflecting on the symbolism within the sand play. So, in this exercise, people are working out profound and even traumatic things in their lives using the images that are in the sand tray. And these can be images of person, they can be images of places, And as they are working in this sand tray, they are actually using those images to great therapeutic effect.
0: Oh, that's quite interesting, Michael. I guess some of our listeners now know that playing in centuries is not just for children. (laughs) If someone is listening to this show today and want to tap into the power that symbols can bring, what are three examples or simple uh, things that they can do?
1: I think one of the first thing that they can do is to create a concrete concept of their desired state. What it is that you would like to do? What is it that you would like to achieve? Now, if this is just in words, it's not enough. You may have written out your goals. You may have an idea in your mind as to what you want to do. But I think to, to be very successful, you need to create a concrete concept of your desired state. It can be a picture, it can be a drawing, but it has to be something concrete or it can be something that you use to represent your success. And in, this, in Psalm 42, we see an example of this where the psalmist said that God has lifted him out of the slimy pit and has placed his feet on a rock to stand and has placed a song of praise in his mouth. So that image of being on a rock with hands lifted up singing praise to God could be a desired state for someone who currently feels as if they're in a slimy pit. So you can draw that image, you can take a picture of someone on a rock with their hands uplifted and praising God in the bright sunshine and say, as a way of saying, I am going to get out of this state of gloominess that I found myself in. Another thing that you can do is to make a printout of a scripture that is meaningful to you and keep it with you at all times. Just that symbolic act of having that scripture with you will have very deep, profound psychological meaning and will keep you feeling closer to God and connected with Him. Another thing that you can do is, if you worry a lot, make a printout of the promises of God. Frame it and place it on a wall where you can see it every day. Earlier on in this show, we talked about unconscious motivation. And so if you have these promises up, placed in your environment, even when you are not consciously focusing on these images you are being motivated by it your subconscious is tapping into it and you are being motivated and again these are biblical principles when God told the Israelites to to put the blood on the doorpost and to to to, to, to to bind the scriptures to their forehead. This was a way of motivating them psychologically. I I wish I had more time today, Denise, but I see that we're quickly running out of time.
0: Those are awesome tips, Michael. And it lines up with the scriptures you mentioned at the beginning of this show. And that concludes today's insightful episode of Life Transformation. We hope you found our discussion on the power of symbols, both thought-provoking and inspiring. So remember, Life Transformation airs every Monday morning at 9.30. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the episode posted on Elim Counseling Services YouTube channel and subscribe to stay updated on all our latest content. We are a not-for-profit organization that depends on your support to Continue helping individuals and families. So, please consider making a donation. Thank you for joining us today on the Live Transformation Show. We appreciate your continued support and look forward to bringing you more uplifting discussions in the future. Until next time, this is your co-host Denise Hart
1: and Michael Hart praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep. You sound in mind and pure in heart.